Kathy Zaka. Hi, I'm Susan Offen. And I'm Laura Potter. And we're your hosts today for Pure Truth. We want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for listening. Today, we will be finishing up our discussion on fear. And our scripture for today is from 1 John 4, 18. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. That's a great verse. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So last week, we talked about fear and how it affects and controls us. This week, we're going to be give you more of our own experiences and how we've overcome them. And we're also going to give you a little homework at the end because we really want you to learn how to overcome your fears and walk in the freedom that God has designed for you. So, Laura, you want to get us started today? Sure, yeah. I just wanted to share with everyone the process that I went through uh, to be delivered from a spirit of fear. Um, so after I left the denominational church, I was a part of uh, a Bible study group of women who had all kind of pretty much been through the Vineyard Church, which is another, it's not a denomination, it's a non-denominational, but um, just a spirit-filled church. And they understood the importance of going through a time of deliverance after you've had your salvation experience. That's awesome. Yeah, that's not Mm -hmm. something that I grew up with. Yeah, definitely with the Baptists, yep. Yeah. And so I'd heard things uh, that other churches had done, like, you know, exorcisms for people that were demonically possessed, but I had never heard of this for believers. But what I learned from this group of women was that believers definitely have their eternal salvation secure in the Lord, but there's also things that we carry around, you know, with us. It's like baggage that we need to take the time to go through before the, you know, before the Lord and just allow the Holy Spirit to expose those areas of our lives that just need to be cleansed. Right. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Get rid of the baggage. Right. And I had experienced moments like that when the Lord called me to come to Him in prayer in 2000. So, you know, 22 years ago, God called me to come, you know, to Him in prayer. And through those times of prayer, uh, it was just a lingering meditative prayer time that the Holy Spirit would bring things to my mind, and He would show me things that needed to be removed. And I'd see it, and I'd confess it, and ask God to help me, you know, just to be stronger in that area. But there was more work that needed to be done in those, you know, deep-seated areas of my life. And I just, I couldn't see those things by myself in prayer. Right. Unless the Holy Spirit brought it to my mind. Right. Mm -hmm. In the past, I'd read many books, you know, on the Holy Spirit and the prophetic. And I went to a meeting where the author of the book, a prophetess, was going to be ministering nearby. And I went to the meeting and she began prophesying over everyone there. And as she ministered to me, she told me that she saw fear in my life. And she said, you know, uh, one of the things that she said to me was, when you see fear, you're going to see a snake. And when you see the snake, you're going to kick the snake out. And I wasn't really sure, you know, what she meant at that moment, but I was just taking it all in, right? right? You know, pretty overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah. And then she also said she saw Psalm 91 written all over me. She said, as a matter of fact, I see Psalm 91 rolled out like a scroll, and God has rolled you up tight in it. And she began pointing out, you know, more things in my life, you know, that the enemy had an illegal, you know, hook in my back, just different things like that, that, you know, needed to be removed. 
And after I left that meeting, you know, the first thing I did was I looked up Psalm 91. Right. I'm like, okay, what is that? And I just found that that whole chapter, it's a great chapter. And it's all about God's protection over his people. That's right. You know, and how he watches over them and, and keeps them in his hand. And so, you know, this meeting was the very first kind of eye opener for me. And then later on, I started having dreams where I saw snakes in my dreams, you know. And but that's exactly what she said. When you see fear, you're going to see a snake. And so I think God gave me those dreams with snakes so that I would understand and identify that, okay, that's fear. Right. This is something I need to address, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so God was exposing those things to my dream in my dreams and um, just so that I would take action you know to to be cleansed from that fear right so over a long period of time you know i had believed the lies of the enemy and this had built up a stronghold of fear in my life this was what god was revealing to me through this prophet that i needed to be free from so i could live a full free life in christ you know rather than being held back by fear right and i attended another meeting with a couple of my other friends from this bible study group a different prophet was there that night, and he began to minister to everybody. And when he came around the circle to me, he gave me encouraging words, which was great. But he also told me that he saw fear in my life. And I thought, really? I thought I was done with all that fear. You know, how can there be more? Mm-hmm. And so two of my friends overheard, you know, they they overheard what he prophesied and saw the expression on my face, you know, yeah. that I'm like, seriously? <laughs> And um, so anyway, they both, you know, came alongside of me and they said, you know, Laura, we want to help you uh, and, and help you with some deliverance, you know, from this spirit of fear in your life. And so I agreed with them right away. I said, let's do it. You know, I want to get rid of this once and for all. You know, it's so amazing how God used two ladies mm-hmm. that were conveniently next to you at the right time and the right place to help get you delivered from fear. Yeah. That was right. so that was no accident. You know, that right. was a divine appointment. And I it's agree. wonder it's a wonderful testament to how our God works. Right. Yes. I totally agree with that. Yeah. You know, he he's always lined things up for me. Yeah. He knows, you know, when we don't know things, right. he's gonna help us. Right. He's gonna open our eyes to see right. those things. So I began, you know, to meet with them once a week for about six to eight weeks with, with these two friends and they led me through a program that they'd been through that they did themselves, and it was called Steps to Spiritual Freedom by Neil T. Anderson. And it was through a a thorough cleansing process, basically, of getting rid of anything that, you know, might be standing in the way of my living in total freedom in Christ. Yeah. I mean, anything besides fear. It might have been other things, you know. But uh, after the initial process, my friends led me through the scriptures, where I could see, you know, who I was in Christ, the authority I now walk in as a child of God. And it was during this time that we discovered I had an unhealthy fear of Satan and his demonic forces. Mm-hmm. You know, just going through when you're a child, you know, where did this all begin? You know, it's almost right. like, you know, a counseling process, yes. you know, right. but spirit led for sure. For sure. Like Susan. <laughs> <sighs> you know, and lonely in my mind. What, what had happened was I had elevated the power of Satan over the power of God. You know, I believed that the demons could come and get me, you know, so to speak, and that they had scared me over the years because I had allowed them to do that, you know, to, due to my lack of knowledge. But because I didn't know who I truly was in Jesus Christ and the power and the authority that I have within me because of the blood of Jesus that covers me, I had to let those demons intimidate you know i I had let those demons intimidate me for years 
But I had let that demonic spirit of fear speak lies into my mind over and over since since my childhood, and I believed them. Right. So this built up a stronghold in my life of fear because I believed those lies and accepted them as truth. So this gave the enemy permission to attack me and continue to, you know, just rebroadcast those lies over and over, and it blocked out God's truth. Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, first, or 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. You know, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Mm. We capture the rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. And this is where God's truth and His Word expose those lies. Right. And I had, you know, that I'd believed. And so my friends were also intercessors. You know, that's their gift of intercessory right. prayer. Mm. And they intercede for other people. And they're also seers, like Kathy. Yeah. And they could actually see the spirit of fear that was attacking me. And I stood up, you know, when it was time to renounce the things that you had come into agreement with and things like that, I just felt like I needed to, you know, stand up and renounce these things. Like, take an oath. You know, when you take an oath, you stand up and you hold your hand up in the air. And, you know, when you're going to court, and, yes, right. you know, you're going to swear a testimony. Or I just felt like it was really important for me to stand up, you know, when I wanted to rebuke all these things and come out of agreement with them. Right. And so, anyway, I just... I saw that spirit of fear that was attacking me. Uh, I renounced all the the spirit of fear that had you know I'd come into agreement with, um, and I told it never to return to me. And I repented as well for elevating the enemy's lies over God's truth for my life because see that was wrong too. So it was a very very freeing experience, and I'm now equipped to recognize those lying thoughts right away. Like when I I hear a lie, I recognize it immediately. You know, I like what right. you said there, though. You said that you repented for elevating the enemy's lies over God's truth. Right. I don't even think that, you know, and I've said this a couple times already in the previous episode, I don't think we even realize right. what we're saying or what we're doing that we're elevating the enemy above God's truth over right. us. It's a is, lie that yes. you've believed, right. and now you believe it more than God's truth. Yes. So you're really elevating Satan right. over mm-hmm. God. No, right. I don't want to do that. But it, right, <laughs> and it's so subtle. It is. Right. So, it starts out, you know, very subtle. You don't even know. Right, right. and then it but, builds. But you start once you start realizing the lie. You know, you start recognizing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that that comes from intimacy with God because He shows it to you. Right. Right. So, right. right. But for people that are struggling with their in in all of that, they don't understand. They don't know. They don't. They're they're living. The, uh, believing those mm-hmm. lies. Well, see, and I had spent all my life in God's Word. Uh, absolutely, I right. was. See? A, uh, I was a Bible teacher, right? But but here I was. I was taking in God's Word in my mind, but I wasn't really analyzing it the right way. I wasn't seeing. Oh, wait a minute. Now let's look at these other thoughts you have besides God's Word. Let's look at these other things that you believe. Right. What do you believe? Well, I kind of believed that the enemy could get me. Right. right? I believe. I did too. Yeah. You know, because things you learn, things you you hear about, whatever. I believe that that somehow he could harm me. You know, but I didn't realize I'm a I'm a child of God. What does God's yeah. word say about that? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the process we have to go through is just really looking at all your thoughts and then lining it up with the word of God and saying, "Wait a minute, is that true? Is that right?" You know, but God's word says this, and I'm thinking this, and so obviously I'm wrong. God's yeah. right. 
Well, I just had a download from the Holy Spirit. He said, he was talking to me. He said, your whole life, you've had more of a fear of the devil mm-hmm. than you have of me. Right. And we're not to do that. Right. Because right. if we live the way we're supposed to live and we have a reverent fear of God, mm-hmm. then the devil can't touch us. Right. So, again, right. that's elevating the devil above God. So he's like, don't don't fear him. Yes. Because he can only hurt you if you allow him to. Mm-hmm. But if you tell me to kick him out, then he can't hurt you. Mm-hmm. That's it's, why it's you got to have intimacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was all taken care of on the cross. Right. It's right. just that he gets in our mind. Yes. He starts the battle there. Right. And we start to believe. And it's up to us to take authority and to kick him to the curb. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing that, too, you know, I'd heard about salvation. I knew about it. I understood all that. Right. But then until you actually almost dissect what really took place at the cross. Yeah. Until you go piece by piece through everything Mm -hmm. that Jesus did, everything that he died for, not just for our salvation and for us not going to hell. Right. But what did he deliver us from? Evil. Evil. Right? Yeah. Right. Hello? (laughs) Right. So. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Yeah. And so it was like he delivered us from evil. He's, He's covered us with his blood. It's like a supernatural shield of protection over right. you because mm-hmm. you have the mark of Christ on you. You're a marked person. Right. You're marked as a holy mark on you. And you're protected. Yes. And yes. so the enemy cannot take touch your soul. You. He can't touch you. Now, can he oppress you? Sure. Can he cause things in your life to cause destruction? Sure. Right. But what is our responsibility? To have faith. Faith Trust. and also to stand yep. the authority on the word of God and use the word of God as our sword, as our weapon to Absolutely. fight. You know, Paul says, take authority, like take every thought into captivity and bring it to the obedience of Christ. And so that's what I had to do. That's what they were teaching me to do was, Laura, what are your thoughts thinking? Right. Wait a minute. Let's take that captive. Let's yeah. think about it. Let's put it in a cage right now and, you know, seriously, and let's just look at it. Is that true or is it false? And I realized that was false. Yeah. False teachings that I had thought and believed and made it my own, and I had to just renounce it. Right. Like renounce coming into agreement with agreement with it. And so... Wasn't there something about your basement? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. When I was a kid and I was afraid, you know, we had a basement. We lived in Chicago, and so everybody's got a basement in Chicago. Yeah. But yeah, you know, as a kid, you know, when you got brothers and sisters, they always do mean things to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I mean, I remember being, you know, down in the basement, and, you know, as a joke, my, you know, sisters would shut the door, lock it, and turn all the lights out, you know, yes. and you're stuck in the basement and it's dark, and man. Talk about Creepy. fear and being creeped out. Yeah. yeah. And so the enemy just used that as ammunition oh, yeah. in my right. life, you know, to just, you know, put more fear in me. And so, you know, there's just little things that happen when you're a kid, of course, that puts yeah. fear in you. And, I was going to mm-hmm. say, there's probably many stories that kids, as kids, we yeah. remember as adults, like, what did we do to each other? I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why did Don't we do that? Don't do that. That's <laughs> <laughs> not nice. <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot of things. Even too, you know, as a kid, you know, I think I've mentioned it before, you know, just 
being in the church and playing around the church all the time because my dad was always there, oh, yeah. you know. And there's there's demons in the church too, believe yeah. me, you know. Where there's where there's God, there's gonna be Satan. He's gonna try and take away oh, yeah. anything that God's doing. Absolutely. So, you know, I had a lot of freaky experiences that way too. So yeah. it just built that fire in me, you know, to be afraid. Yeah. You know. Right. And um but yeah, you know, at the end of our deliverance sessions that we had, uh you know, and I was delivered from all of those things, and it was gone. Yeah. The spirit of fear was gone. And uh, one of my friends who was a seer, she said she saw Jesus. He came into the room where we were meeting, and she saw that he had an iron rod in his hand. And I'm like, an iron rod? But uh, she told me that Jesus was putting that iron rod, like, spiritually into my spine that's awesome you know because when you cower in fear what do you do you bend over right you're not Mm -hmm. standing up straight right and he was putting an iron rod spiritually into my spine so that i would not cower to fear anymore but i would stand up straight and remember who i was in christ and she also told me that then she saw jesus had a sword in his hand and he was dubbing me like you know on each shoulder like a knight and he she said when he was dubbing my shoulders, he said, you are a knighted warrior. Oh, man. You know, and that just gave me such confidence, you know, that I could stand up to the enemy with the sword, the word of God. Yep. And and basically battle anything that the enemy brought towards me. Yeah. You know. That's good. Wow. And it really was, no longer was I a little girl, you know, inwardly that was would cower up and freeze in fear, but I was a knighted warrior, equipped and empowered by the spirit of God to stand against the enemy when he would attack is just so so good yeah you know that's still father he's good stays with me today yeah so uh two verses became my two two favorites was second timothy 1 7 for god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind and when it says sound mind that's you know who you are yes you know whose authority you walk in and the word that you have to do anything you need to do. So just remember. And that sound mind. Yeah. Sound mind, you don't listen to the enemy. Exactly. Because he wants to tell you differently. You don't have a weak mind. Right. You have a sound mind. Right. See? And so that's my go-to verse. When I know that there's a spirit of fear attacking me, I proclaim this verse out loud, and I tell the spirit of fear to leave now in the name of Jesus. And then the other verse that I love is 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And this verse reminds me that when I continue to look into the perfect love and the character of God, I see that I have nothing to fear because my God has totally got me in the palm of his hand. Yes. And he's never going to drop the ball on me, ever. Right. Like, my faith in him is in him, and it's in him alone. Yeah. You know, and after time, you know, went by, I'm guessing it was about a year later. I uh, One night I got up in the middle of the night. I had to go to the kitchen to get some medicine. And as I walked through the dark house, all of a sudden I felt a demonic presence. And the hairs on the back of my neck stood up and the old knee-jerk reaction, you know, of just freezing up and my head going down. And, you know, that's just what took place. It was yeah. just a knee-jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. So, but immediately the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he says, remember who you are. Yep. And I knew what he meant. And I raised my chin up and I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, buddy. And I rebuked that spirit of fear right away. And I said, you have no permission to be in here. Now leave in the mighty name of Jesus. And immediately I felt it go. Yep. And I I totally felt at peace and in God's safety. And the spirit of God will remind us in our our times of need. He'll remind us of his truth. That's good. 
And I want to share a story of a time that God definitely helped me in my time of need. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband and I were so very excited to receive the news that we were expecting twins in December of 2004. Their due date was July 26, 2005. Next, they told me I would have a high-risk pregnancy due to twins. That was scary. Yeah. And I home that year, I homeschooled three children that played polo that year, in our, and we lived in a rental home in Florida. Hmm. I finished that season of teaching them, and my husband and I were getting ready to leave Florida and drive to upstate New York to be closer to my family and stay on our farm during the rest of my pregnancy. And our rental house was almost all packed up in Florida, and I went to my last non-stress test with the doctor in Florida around April 16th. That's a test you take during pregnancy to see if for contractions. Yeah, Yeah, you were pregnant with twins, so you were high risk. And I remember him asking me, what's going on with you? You're contracting every two minutes. And he put me on a drug to slow the contractions. How, How far along were you? At that point? Oh, goodness. Um, That was April 16th. Let's do the math. (laughs) Um, How many? Well, it it would have been 24 weeks pregnant. A little bit over midway. uh, Yeah. Mm. Wow. Uh, So he put me on this drug that made me feel very edgy, like my heart was kind of racing to hold off the contractions. And we went back to the house to rest and... The next day, the doctor saw that I was shaking, so he gave me another non-stress test and said, that's it. He admitted me into the hospital for preterm labor. I was 25, sorry, okay, weeks 25 pregnant. weeks, all right. The kids were one pound each. Oh, and wow. So they started administering a new drug, first flushing my system and then continuing it with an IV. And I, they had all kinds of straps on me and to monitor their heartbeat and... Mm-hmm. getting poked and prodded Um, so I stayed on bed rest for more than five weeks until I had an emergency c-section so um, they were definitely preemies in yeah and they originally told us that I would have be trauma hawked or you call it care flight yeah Mm -hmm. yeah, to Miami who they had a more experienced NICU which is a neonatal Mm -hmm. intensive care unit but God had other plans there wasn't a day I didn't pray for all of us, and I had a lot of intimate time with God, as you can imagine. I called this a pit stop, planned intimate time with God. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And my my husband visited all the time, every day in the hospital. We got to watch a lot of TV series and just be still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I made such great girlfriends there who were my nurses all those weeks and I learned about their lives and we still stay in touch. That's, That's cool. Awesome. You know, I would just be like, what's going on now? <laughs> but um, it, it was really, it was definitely trusting God every moment every of the step, day. Every step, yeah. I didn't know, we, we didn't know what mm-hmm. was going to happen. Right. You know, and just a lot of downtime. Yeah. So afterwards, after the birth, the kids were in the NICU for five weeks. And they had their good and challenging medical moments. We had to take a deep breath each time we walked into the NICU because we didn't know what had occurred while we stepped out or went home to sleep for the night. And not that we knew what was going to happen while we were there either. Right. And uh, we lived moment to moment, sometimes with incredible fear. And other times we'd celebrate milestones they were having. Mm -hmm. I remember running once to the waiting room to get a breather and 
I, I just started crying after learning they couldn't get my son to breathe. Oh, oh wow. Scary. And yeah, it w- they had their share of wires, CPAPs, IVs, blood tests, you know, shots. The NICU families all became a respected part of our family along with the nurses. And we had to suit up and sanitize each time we, we went entered the NICU. And mm-hmm. if anything was ever, like, going on with a, a child... Yeah, we it was just automatic. We all left out of respect yeah. for the family. Yeah, so it was uh, interesting to have that family unit feeling. Yeah. And thanks be to God, yes. now they are two very busy, healthy seventeen-year-olds today, and they'll be headed off to college next year. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole new set of scary. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. But you know, God made a way. Right. I mean, yeah, imagine I if I was in the middle of nowhere in upstate New York. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Uh, on you said farm. that your farm is very remote up there. Yeah. It's very. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, God. Yeah. And Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And another scripture that helped me was Psalm 139, 5, 7 through 10. You have in, behind, and before, where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't even imagine how terrifying that would have been. But mm-hmm. again, God met you in your time of desperation and fear. Yes, he did. That's awesome. And you know, having a baby is already fearful time in your life enough, you know, as yeah. it is. And just one, and then you have twins, and then you're in right. the hospital for weeks, you know, and it's always very scary when you you have your first child because yeah. you you just have no clue what's happening, right? right. You know, I mean, my son just going through the motions. Yeah, I mean, my son had uh, he was born with jaundice, right? And so yeah. I thought, oh my gosh, you know, and they they had to uh, basically you know poke his heel and and check his blood, and yeah. I just. I just thought it was the end of the. I'm like, this is a very normal thing that yes. happens, you know, to kids. And but but when you're a first time mom, yeah, everything is traumatizing. Yeah, I remember yeah. when my son was born, and I was only 18. I was young, and again, first time mom. And I remember asking, I kept asking the nurses, "Bring him to me, bring him to me." Like, why isn't he in here? Right. So I was getting frustrated because I was tired of waiting. So I told my husband, "Like, get me down the hall. I want my child." You know. Mm-hmm. So we're walking down the hall, the hall where we were at, because in Louisville, and I could hear a baby screaming, like bloody murder. Mm. And I didn't know that that's at the time that they were circumcising oh. my son, and I could didn't know oh. it was they had him in a room, and I could hear him screaming, and it was just like even though I couldn't see in the room, I just felt that yes. was my son in yep. my gut and I was about ready to rip somebody's head off. <laughs> I mean, I'm a bear. <laughs> yes. And I was like, what is going on? Like mm-hmm. I know that's him. I know. And they were like, ma'am, you know, go back to your room. We're gonna bring him to you as soon as you done. You'll get to comfort him. And you know, of course it's painful when they go through it. It's quick yeah. and easy. But still when you're a first time mom and you're like, what is going on? I'm about ready to kill somebody. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) it was pretty scary. It is. (laughs) All right, I'm going to share a few times in my life that fear has impacted me. You know, it's an ugly thing, fear is. And it makes sense that it can only come from the enemy, right? So when I was around five or six years old, my parents sent me to the YMCA to teach me how to swim. My mom would drop me off and pick me up in about an hour. And I think this class lasted for about two weeks. The teacher of this class was a teenager, probably 16 or 17 years old. He was young. 
And he had no patience for little children. That was very obvious. And I think there were about 10 of us in the class. I remember there were two twin boys that were probably eight years old. I remember their names, Dirk and Derek. (laughs) I will never forget them because they were bullies. Not boys, but bullies. Yeah. They picked on all the kids that were there. And the teacher liked both of these boys. So he sided with them if someone, you know, told on them. He's not being nice. Right. Right. So Dirk and Derek were already pretty good swimmers. And there were a few others that, that could at least doggy paddle. But the rest of us, we didn't know anything about swimming. That's why we were there. And the pool we were swimming in had a deep end that was probably nine feet deep. And the twin boys would go to the diving board by the deep end and jump off of it. You know, they were showing off. And they would just torture and bully me and the other kids that didn't know how to swim. They didn't need to be in that class. No, they didn't. <laughs> and they would threaten to push us you know, in the deep end. Mm-hmm. So it was terrifying for little kids. Yeah, right. And back then, we didn't have floaties. They didn't issue life jackets. Right. Know, this was... <laughs> long time ago. Long time ago. We'll just leave it that. We would get in the water and hold on to the edge until our teacher would work, you know, he would work with us and one at a time, trying mm-hmm. to show us how to doggy paddle or, or float. And so after about the third day, I dreaded going because of those two boys, Dirk and Derek. Mm-hmm. And on that third day, me and a couple of the other younger kids were walking next to the pool And Dirk and Derek came running by and shoved all of us into the deep end of the pool. So we panicked. Like, we're we're sinking down, trying to come up out of the water. And it was chaos because we were dragging each other down. We were, like, clinging to anything that we could. Mm -hmm. So we almost drowned. Like, it was traumatizing. Yeah. And to make it worse, the teacher didn't come in after us. He stood at the edge of the pool yelling at us to doggy paddle. You know, I've taught you how to doggy paddle. You know, move your arms. And, you know, he didn't help us. So... Again, that was just that, that, you know, you didn't like him as a teacher. You're like, mm-hmm. why? Why? And I'm a kid. I didn't understand. So we eventually got to that edge of the pool, you know, and, and all of us were crying. And it completely, you know, again, traumatized me. Mm-hmm. The teacher and those two boys, not very nice boys, mm-hmm. just laughed at us. I begged my mom not to take me back there, but she'd already paid for it. My dad insisted that we continue to go. So I had to go through this torture for another week and a half. And that experience gave me a huge fear of water and swimming. Mm-hmm. And I do remember a bus driver that had a bus park near the swing pool. Um, they were going to pick up you know, daycare kids. That, you know, the, I guess they would go pick them up from school, and then they would bring them back bring to them the to YMCA. The for, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So she saw how scared I was every time, and she would let me come sit on the bus with her, and she'd always have little lollipops for me. What a <laughs> nice uh, bus driver. I, I remember this because it was uh-huh. so traumatizing. And every time I was too scared to get in the pool, she would just, you know, she'd come over there, come on over, Kathy. And that teacher, you know, the one that was teaching us, he didn't care because all we all, I, I just cried. I was so terrified. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to get in the water. Right. So needless to say, it was a waste of money. I didn't, I didn't learn how to swim that day mm-hmm. or those two weeks. So fast forward about six years. I was 12 years old. At that point, my parents had divorced. My mom had remarried and she was, you know, now married to my stepdad. And one of the things that my family did every year was go camping at Lake Whitney in Texas. Mm-hmm. Lake Whitney is a huge lake, mm-hmm. really, really large lake. Well, my stepdad found out that I couldn't swim. And he said, best way for someone to learn was to take them out in the middle of the lake, throw them in. Oh. Well, that's what he did. Mm. And again, I panicked. I almost drowned. And it was even worse because being in the swimming pool versus being in a lake, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you can't goodness. see. You can't see the bottom. So I was even more terrified of that. Right. So, you know, some of my family members had to end up coming in to get me back to the boat. He didn't come in and help me. And again, not I did not learn how to swim. Mm. And all it did was make me even more fearful of water. Right. It built up a lot of anger towards my stepdad That's for that. Bad. Yeah. And it took me a long time to forgive him. Unforgiveness is a whole other issue that causes other problems. Yeah. 
And it wasn't until a decade later that I learned how to swim. And I think I've overcome all of those fears. You know, I, I still don't like to be around a lot of people if I'm in the water. I don't trust that they aren't going to do something stupid like that Dirk and Derek <laughs> and my stepdad or my stepdad. It was hard, and I missed out on a lot of fun times because of my fears. It controlled me for years, and I hated it. It was embarrassing, too. You know, yeah. you're an adult, and you don't know how to swim. Come on. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, I feared many things in my life, and I'm thankful that God's guided me through all of it. And another example I want to give is I used to have fear of speaking in front of large groups of people. I had this fear my whole life, too. I think we all mm-hmm. can relate to Sure, yes. anybody. Yeah, until recently, I've, I've gotten a lot better, so thank you, Lord. And I was never popular when I was in school. I was as skinny as a toothpick, and that was actually my nickname. Mm. Many people in school called me toothpick. So because I was teased and bullied, I shied away from people. I was very easily intimidated, and I absolutely hated it when I had to get up and speak in front of the class. That fear grew and grew over the years. The enemy did everything he could to keep me in that fearful mindset. He told me I wasn't good enough or smart enough or pretty enough. He told me I was stupid and that I sounded stupid, and I believed all of it. I overcame some of it when I became a youth leader at church many years ago. I grew to love getting in front of the youth and speaking God's love over them, you know, helping those kids just, it, it did something for me. Mm-hmm. And God helped me to overcome a lot of those fears. Yeah. And even over the last couple of years, God's been growing me in different areas as a prophet and a seer, and which means, you know, I've had to put myself out there for all the world to see. And, and it's, it's difficult, but it's different now because I know what my God thinks of me and I know that he loves me and that he's proud of me. You know who you are in Christ. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. And, you know, I'm not doing any of it for me anyway. It's for God's glory. Right. Um, I have compassion for his for his children, and I uh, want him to use me, and I tell him that every day. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he deserves that glory. He deserves it and so much more. I've put my complete trust and faith in him, and I know if I ever have to stand in front of a live audience, God will give me the strength to do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, Laura's mentioned that she's been sensitive to spirits, good and bad ones. You know, sometimes, same thing for me, I'll walk into a room or a building and I know something evil lurks there. Mm-hmm. There are also times that I sense good and it brings joy, makes me feel safe, right? And I love those experiences. But the evil ones, not so much. Right. And I remember one time our youth group, we went to a summer camp, summer camp and I, as soon as I walked in, I could feel and sense the evil spirits running up and down the halls. It felt so chaotic. Mm-hmm. Like even... Though I couldn't see anything in the natural, I knew in my spirit that something wasn't right in that building. And this was when I was a youth leader. So, you know, I brought a few of the youth in with me into that main building. And I didn't say anything to them about what I sensed. But every single one of them said the same thing. They said, you know, they called me Mama Zaka. So they said, Mama Zaka, <laughs> it, it, felt, it felt chaotic. Like, it, it didn't feel right. So I went to the youth pastor and a few of the other leaders that you know that were there and let them know what I was sensing and I wanted them to all go with me and pray over that building. I didn't want to take the, the, our students in there without mm-hmm, cleansing right, it. Right. Well, that didn't work out very well. It was another one of those times that it felt like I was the crazy one because the youth pastor looked at me like I was insane and said, "Well, I don't feel that. I'm not even sure where that's coming from. If you feel the need to pray over the building, go ahead, but I'm good." That was mm-hmm. said in front of all the other leaders there, so I was humiliated and it upset me so much. Yeah. But I did take that small group of youth that experienced the same thing I did, and we prayed the blood of Jesus over that place. And we had an amazing summer camp over those next few days. Well, thank God you were you are obedient to what you knew was the right thing to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, I just knew something wasn't right, you yeah. know. Even and, when, you know, those you, in Father. authority over you, because yeah. he was an authority over you, may not sense or be gifted in the same way, right. and they don't see things the, the same way, or maybe... Right. Maybe they're just not awake to the things of the spirit. Right. 
unfortunately, right. you know, then, you know, you just do what you know what you need to do. Right. And be obedient to God. Yeah. In that and it was at a time where I was so already struggling with putting myself out there. Again, this is way before I, I'm at where I am now. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those things, like you said, you just kind of cowered down in fear and just right. put your head down. That's mm-hmm. what I did, too. I was just like, oh, goodness. But, you know, it was God that, that told me, go get those youth. Go get those those it was like three or four of them. Mm-hmm. Let you go pray over it because I showed you what I showed you, and I want you to cleanse it. And where two or three are gathered, and where in my two name, or three are gathered, am I also yes, right, exactly. yes, yep. it was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there's my fear of the devil. For years, I was paralyzed with fear when I sensed an evil spirit near me. And I've never liked scary movies because if it has anything satanic in it, I feel. And sense them in the room with me. Mm. And I don't want anything to do with that right. garbage. Right. <laughs> We've talked about it that. It just yeah. fuels the fire. <laughs> yes. I don't want the enemy to think he has any right to be in my home. And if I'm watching it, that's an invitation for him to come in and wreak havoc in my or my family's lives. Mm-hmm. So I had to mature in my faith before I got to this point, though. And I, I understand it now, but I didn't understand it when I was younger. And, and I know the enemy knew I could sense when he was near. And he knew it terrified me. And I believe this is why he started coming to me at night when I was sleeping. I've given this testimony before, so I'll just give you the highlights. But I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and I immediately sensed multiple evil spirits in my bedroom while my husband slept soundly next to me. I could hear those demons breathing. Ugh, just brings, makes me want to throw up. Mm. Sometimes they would laugh at me, mocking me. The scariest part was the fact that I couldn't move. I felt paralyzed, and it felt like I was being held down. I also couldn't speak, and it felt like I was in hell. Like every sound that they made echoed like I was in a dungeon. Mm. And, you know, this went on night after night, week after week. Sometimes I would get a break from it, but then it would start up again. And there were many times as I was laying there paralyzed that I felt something tried to get into me. It's hard Mm. to explain, but I don't know if I want to call it possessed, but it felt like something was trying to get inside my body. And the only way I knew how to fight it was by speaking the name of Jesus. But I was struggling because I couldn't talk. I tried over and over until his name came out of my mouth. Finally, it was just like, you know, trying to say it. And finally, it just was came out of my mouth. But the sound coming out of my mouth was not my voice. Mm. It was an evil, satanic voice. And the demon would get so angry when I did that. But it worked. Every single time it worked. They would leave and I could finally move. Sometimes I would wake my husband up and other times I would cry myself to sleep. It was just so scary and intense. And this was before I was saved. I was going to say, that's before you were yeah, saved. Yeah, I've given you all my testimony because that's what drew me. Yeah, the enemy can't do that to you when you're a believer. Right. Yeah. Uh, thank you for clearing that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was before I saved. You know, I believed in God at that time, but I had not accepted Jesus at that time as my Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. So those experiences are what led me to that. So praise God. Yeah. And once I recognized the presence of evil and the authority I had over it, that was it. Yeah. It was over for the enemy. <laughs> I can remember many times when I first discovered this when I would wake up in the middle of the night. And I, it was kind of like you, you've, you've told that story, too, when you woke up and you were like, no, you leave. Right. I believe it was the Holy Spirit that woke me up every time. And as soon as my eyes opened, I knew there was an evil spirit trying to wreck havoc again on my husband and children. Instead of pulling the covers over my head like I used to do. And hide. Yeah. I would jump up and confront that evil spirit head on, sometimes multiple evil spirits that I I would sense in my home. And I would command every one of them to get out of my house in the name of Jesus, and they obeyed. Again, every single time. You know, I just think of all that you are doing now for the Lord. right. And you think about even the things you know i've i've been doing for the lord and right. so all of us yeah even before you were a christian the enemy was after he you he knew that and god had a calling yeah yeah and 
I don't know uh, this for a fact, but you know, you see Satan, he's a great observer right. of mm-hmm. people and he knows what's going on. And you know, you wonder if he saw that God was coming after you and he just right. wanted to get a hold of you before right. God did. You know, right. I don't right. know. But you know, you just you think, thank God that he used what the enemy meant for evil. Right. To bring you to a place of salvation. Yes. yes. You know, and then you look at where you are today. Right. And being a seer for the Lord, maybe he saw that too. Yeah. Right. That you were going to be powerful for the, for, I can't even say, powerful for the kingdom of God. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just something to think about. That's honor and a blessing. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking of death and fear. <laughs> like, speaking I, of death and fear. <laughs> doom and gloom. Doom and, and gloom. <laughs> I'd like to reference uh, Richard Rohr in his book, Immortal Diamond, and he talks about death and fear, and he gives a really different perspective, and I'd like to share it. Yeah, this is good. This is going to be deep, though. It's deep. He says, I am aware of the phrase true self occurring only once in the Bible. Paul used the words to describe what he is desperately trying to locate in the midst of some major trials with his false self, and he speaks of it in a telling way. When I act against my own will, then it is not my true self doing it, but sin which lives in me, in Romans 7.20. Somehow he knows there's a part of him that is objective, true, and unafraid of death. And then he contrasts that with what we're calling the false self and calls it sin. This sin is our cozy image of ourselves as individual and autonomous. When this body is all you think you are, No wonder you're afraid of dying. Right. Mm -hmm. It's all you know and have. If you have not discovered your soul, that is. The false self is terrified of death because it knows this mental ego that it calls myself will die, and it cannot find any long-term alternative to it. So it works for short-term instead. The false self has no substance, no permanence, no hilarity, only various forms of immediate gratification. Whenever you're fearing death, he says, physical death or death of some ego fixation, or using diversionary tactics of any kind, you are in your false self at that moment. Again, it's not usually bad or evil, but just inadequate to the big questions of love, death, suffering, God, or any notion of infinity. God allows and uses all our diversionary tactics to get us to the full destination, This is how perfect and patient divine love is. That's good. Mm. God probably knows we are procrastinators more, much more than perpetrators. Right. And I just wanted to say here that, you know, the false self isn't all bad. It's a part of our human condition. I had a wise teacher explain that our ego, our false self, is also what gets us up in the morning. Mm -hmm. The true self will surely have doubts about the unknown too. But as such, the true self is not afraid of death. It's been there and back. The risen Christ in you always knows that it will never lose anything real by dying. But you will not know that until you walk the whole gauntlet sincerely at least once, meaning the necessary suffering of walking the full human path. That is what Jesus did and why we we try to reproduce that pattern of his death, each in our own way, so that we also can take our place in the force field of resurrection. For me, the Holy Spirit, resurrection, and evil are all very real and even physical force fields. I believe our fear of death is our fear of God. 
If we resolve one, we resolve the other. That's good. Can you think of any moments in which you feel your false self taking over and you find your yourself fearing something? Yeah, you know, when he is talking about the false self here, he's really talking about our human flesh. Like, those are fleshly desires, our, our fleshly fears. But when we're walking in the Spirit, which is the anointing of Christ, you don't think on that fleshly level anymore. You think in an elevated way, like on a whole, you know, other level, because we have the mind of Christ. Yeah, right. that's good. I'm glad you pointed that out, yeah. So he, Richard Rohr describes the human condition as wanting and needing various certitudes, constants, and insurance policies at every stage of life. But we have to be careful, or they take over and become all-controlling needs, keeping us from further growth. Yeah. Thus, the most common one-liner in the Bible is, do not be afraid, mm-hmm. as you said, Kathy, before. In yeah. fact, someone counted and found it 365 times. One for each day of the year. Yep. <laughs> there you go. If we do not move beyond our early motivations of personal security, reproduction, and survival, like those fear-based preoccupations of the lizard brain, yeah. <laughs> we'll never proceed beyond the lower stages of human or spiritual development. Many church sermons Richard has heard his whole life, he says, seem never to move beyond the first level of development mm-hmm. and do not even challenge it. In fact, to challenge it is called heretical, dangerous, or ill-advised. Yep. Mm. The very unfortunate result of this fear and preoccupation with order, control, safety, pleasure, and certitude is that a high percentage of people never get to the contents of their own lives. Mm. Wow. Human life is about more than building boundaries, protecting identities, creating tribes, and teaching impulse control. In Luke twelve twenty three, Jesus said, Why do you ask what I am to eat? What am I to wear? And to that he says, is life not so much more than food? Is life not so much more than clothing? Yeah. And in Matthew sixteen twenty six, he says, what will it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your very soul? Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, this makes me, I'm just thinking of a time right now where a very fearful time that I experienced um, in which I began my teaching experience in a dangerous area in Florida. Mm-hmm. I prayed the whole car ride there, <laughs> asking God for courage and Keep guidance. Safe. <laughs> <laughs> right throughout the day. This was after college. This is yeah. teaching school. Uh-huh. So I was older. I wasn't a young teen or anything. Right. Mm-hmm. I worked alongside a wonderful co-teacher before she left me in complete control of the classroom. Here you go. You left me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Come back. <laughs> I was working with high school students um, in that area in Florida, and you know, f- one example uh-huh. was that I had to sign them out of class because they were witnesses to a shooting. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, that um, tells you about sounds the like area. the south side of Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a, another example of fear that affected my life. I had a fear of parking garages. Wow. I had a friend in high school who was murdered in one. She was stabbed to death in the back of her car. Oh, wow. And I mean, we were talking in the middle of nowhere in upstate New York. So this was a rare happening. And this happened to be a boy she went to school with. He followed her and trapped her in the car after leaving work. Oh, my goodness. And so, you know, here I have this experience. And, you know, I, I mentioned it to Kathy and Laura one day. And Laura's like, you know, you don't need to be afraid of that. Mm -hmm. And I, I just looked at her and I'm like, what? (laughs) 
now that's like I that's a fear I have. I own that fear. I own it's that mine. fear. It's mine. And I was <laughs> like, you know, I think this is what happens to us at times. It's almost like I was used to holding on to that fear yeah. of the parking if the parking garage. It felt like it became a part of me, like mm-hmm. my identity. <laughs> and it's all lies. Yeah. And because it wasn't I, even your experience. This was your right. friend's experience, but you like, you know, you took, took ownership on. over yeah. it. I accepted it as my truth. As your own truth, right. Yeah, and we can't do that. That's lies. Like yeah. we it's it's controlling our life. And I, no I just saw the fear in Susan's, you know, mind and and in her words when she was talking and I'm like, "Wait a minute. That wasn't even your experience. That was somebody else, yeah. right?" Why are you walking in that right. fear, you know? And it was just kind of like the aha moment, you know, in your yeah. mind, like, wait a minute, you're right. <laughs> yeah. What am I doing? Right. <laughs> you know. Very true. And it, I mean, yeah. It, it was just a lot like my, you know, fear of dogs. You know, I was yeah. afraid of dogs because my sisters were afraid of dogs. Right. It wasn't right. my experience. It was theirs. And because I just thought that was truth. So, you know, there's a lot of people that are afraid of the inner cities, you know, and things like that, because, well, there's so many murders. I'm like, there's murder <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I'm sorry, true. but, you know, it happens everywhere. Like you said, this this uh, murder in, in upstate New York, it was like in a remote area. Like, you yeah. know, these things don't happen in these parts of the right. woods, you know. Oh, yes, they do. Yeah. You know, but I mean, God is everywhere as well. Right. And God is with us all at all places at all times. You Very know, true. and we again, we have to elevate the truth over the lie right yes. you know and 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 who do we put more authority and power in our lives satan or god right that's exactly. what we talked about yeah well did they ever catch the guy yes they did okay that's good that's that's a good thing well, yeah. right and that's how fear works you know we see or hear something sometimes it's someone we know and the enemy uses that instance to start hounding us that it could happen to us mm-hmm. it's just awful how he does it and how it affects us but if we're aware of how the enemy operates, then we can recognize the signs of fears, and you know whatever it is, and rebuke it so he has so it has no place in our lives. All right. So last week, I told you guys that I had an encounter with Jesus that was unlike any other experience that I've had before. Mm-hmm. So on September the eighteenth of twenty twenty two, Jesus took me down to the bowels of hell. He wanted to show me what fear looks like in hell. And it was a whole new perspective for me because I've never never seen it right, he's always taken you to, to heaven. heaven right or, mm-hmm. or i see in the spirit here on earth and mm-hmm. so never so how do i describe it it's hot it's dark it's the complete opposite of heaven it smelled horrible there is no life in hell like no trees no flowers no beautiful grass or houses no horses no mm-hmm. I, I didn't see any of that stuff it was just death no children playing it looked barren except for the deep pit and I heard the moaning and the cries before I saw that abyss, that deep pit. There was no laughter, only extreme misery. And I felt, oof, I felt their anguish and agony. I felt their despair and depression. I felt their hopelessness. And it made me sick to my stomach. And it felt like someone repeatedly punching me in the gut. Mm. Oh, gosh. And remember I said that Jesus was with me, so I was holding onto his hand. And he assured me that I was protected and that no harm would come to me. And I watched, oh my goodness, as many begged for mercy from Jesus. They, they, you know, I saw I saw demon angels down there laughing and mocking the souls that were crying out for a reprieve. And Jesus said, Satan even uses fear and hell. He terrorizes them and they, they cower in fear. He 
He has no love for them, only hate. The ones that are well known in the public eye on earth get no special concession here in hell. They suffer just like the rest of them, sometimes even more so. Mm-hmm. So as we were walking, the wailing, the stench, the overwhelming feeling of death, the finality of living eternally here in this place, it got to me. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was going to throw up. And it's horrible. It's just so hauntingly terrifying and horrible. Mm-hmm. And Jesus had to assure me several times that I was protected. And his words definitely reassured me. And I then came face to face with Satan in his true form. This upsets Kathy's yes. stomach every time she talks about because it. I remember it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. He was intimidating and very ugly. And he asked Jesus, why is she here? I knew that he knew who I was. And I knew that he hated me deeply. And Jesus told him, I'm here to show her how you operate. Well, Satan, he didn't like that. And he got right in my face. And he screamed at me. I was still holding on to Jesus tightly, which gave me strength. And I ignored Satan, which seemed to anger him even more. I never spoke a word to him. And that was that was so freeing for me mm. because of my fear of, of Satan. Yeah. You know, Jesus was my witness to let the enemy know where I stand. I don't I don't I don't have to fear him anymore. Mm-hmm. And when I get that overwhelmed feeling of like Laura said that I just feel sick to my stomach, it's not because I fear him anymore. It's because it just it's so bad down there. Like it You just, felt the almost like the pressure and the death yes. and the desolation of hell. Yes. And it just makes you sick There's at no your stomach. hopelessness. Yeah. It's just, it, I mean, there, it's just scary. No hope is what I was trying to say. That it's just. Do you feel like when you, you say your gut hurts, it's like you got the wind knocked out of yeah. you? Like punched in the gut? Yeah. And it's hard to breathe down there. There's no, there's no, it's all stale air. It's like mm-hmm. not, it's hot. Right. It's just hot air you're breathing in. It's like in. the complete opposite yeah, of heaven. Yeah. Just, just burning, just burning sensation when you're down there. Yeah. You know, looking upon the devil was terrifying, but I wasn't scared of him, not anymore. And again, that... that It's pretty freeing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And I watched as Satan, you know, he he left. And, and I was trying to explain to Laura and, and, and Susan the other day that, that he has he has super strength, superhuman strength, I guess, you know. Um, I, I, I didn't really describe how he looked because you could just imagine it was, it's, it's not human but it is human he's just not a pretty thing to look at so and i watched as he, he like leapt across over to where that the pit was and he went to mock and torment the many souls in agony laughing as they begged and cried for mercy it was disgusting to watch like he hates anything that god creates he hates it mm. and jesus said that he's crafty he he's always working against me he's trying to come up with different ways to destroy what my father has created and I looked up the definition of crafty. Crafty, it's clever at achieving one's aims by indirect or deceitful methods. Hmm. And just when I thought I couldn't take it anymore, Jesus took me back to heaven. And we sat on a bench and we talked about what I had just witnessed. I experienced fear in the flesh. Mm-hmm. So in hell, he doesn't hide it. He personifies it. Mm-hmm. It's who he is. On earth, it's subtle. Like a lot of our fears start in our mind because the enemy is constantly whispering things in our ear. If you could see it in the flesh, you would absolutely fight it with everything in you. You'd want nothing to do with it. But you'd be aware of it, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not how the enemy works here on earth. He uses his demons and he uses other people to strike fear in us. And he's very successful at it. Yep. We mm-hmm. got to stop that. 
right? We need to be aware of it. We need to know how to fight and defeat him. And we need to know how to send him and his demons back to the abyss. Yep. Right. And again, you know, the Lord's been speaking these words over the past several months to me. They don't understand what they don't know. He's talking about us here on earth. We need to understand what the enemy is doing. And we need to understand that we have the power to put a stop to it. Right. So this whole experience in hell, I felt it deeply. Even now, as I'm reading this days after my experience, I feel sick to my stomach. Mm-hmm. And I remember it vividly. If we, are to fear any, if we are to fear anything, it should be living eternally in hell. I promise you, you don't want to go there. Right. So after Jesus and I finished our talk, he gave me a word on fear. And some of the things that he said were very similar to the words God had given me. You know that God gave me about about fear, and I talked about that in our last episode. They want us to hear these words because we do not have to live this way, mm-hmm. right? So here's what Jesus said. He said, "Fear is an all-consuming fire that wraps around you, and it burns from the inside out. It's a sickening feeling that causes damage far beyond your understanding. It brings sickness and disease into your life. It affects how you treat yourself." And it affects how you treat other people, especially the ones you love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fear holds you back from what I've created you to do, which is exactly what the enemy wants. It's why he uses this tactic more than any other. Fear controls how you think and how you act. Fear causes oppression. Fear causes depression. Fear causes pain and suffering. Fear brings in destruction. Fear causes division. Fear is the opposite of freedom. It is bondage. Fear is the opposite of faith. It is death. Fear slowly destroys you and it causes anxiety. Your fears can be passed down to your children and your grandchildren, holding them in bondage as well. Mm -hmm. But I have wonderful news. You're not meant to live this way. And you can overcome every single one of your fears. My children, freedom and eternal life is what I have created you for. Recognize your fears and speak my truth over them. And I will deliver you from all of it. I will give you the strength to overcome and get through it, leaving it all behind. Don't listen to the words the enemy is speaking to you. They are not my words. They are not my truth. They are lies to keep you from your destiny and what I've created you to be. Joy and peace are yours. This is what I have to offer you and a love that is for eternity. Do not fear. Put your faith and your trust in me and I will set you free. Pain, sickness, depression, separation, and anything else you are suffering from will fade away. I want you to recognize what fear is, how it destroys you, how the enemy subtly brings it into your life and tries to destroy you with it. Recognize it and tell the enemy no. Tell him you have chosen peace, love, and joy for eternity. Tell him he has no more say in your life. Rebuke him. Remove fear from your life and you will be renewed, healed, refreshed and i will show you a healthy life of peace love and joy fear not for i am with you always in proverbs 29:25 it says fear of man will prove to be a snare but whoever trusts in the lord is kept safe again you know that's a similar message to what god spoke to me on the same subject and it's also similar to what he says all throughout the bible we are not to fear We are to trust in our Father who will guide us and protect us from the enemy of our soul. Here's another scripture, Philippians 4, 6-7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God, and the praise or I'm sorry, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, that was such a good uh, verse. Yeah, yes, you know, um, I wanted to share an experience that I had, you know, to illustrate that point that Kathy just talked about how the Holy Spirit will help you and remind you of the truth, right. So years ago, I was with my husband, and he was, you know, attending a, a conference in Las Vegas. And I had a, a planned, you know, that while he was working, this was after my kids were already grown, and I could just, you know, go with him on business trips, right? Right. I didn't. I wasn't able to do that before. Right. And so I was pretty excited about being there and just having fun for that week. And mm-hmm. I was going to have a little adventure for myself, and I was going to walk around to the different hotels and just take pictures of the beautiful architecture that's inside the hotels. If you've right. never been to Vegas. Uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's there, but the architecture in the hotels is beautiful. Yeah. So anyway, I was getting myself all ready to go, and I stood, and I looked out over the city. And we were pretty high up in the top of Caesar's Palace, and I had a great view from where I was standing. And then I was getting excited about, you know, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And then out of the blue, I had this flood of fearful thoughts that came over my mind about, you know, uh, what I was about to go do and how this was, you know, sin city, city yeah. right? <laughs> and just how dangerous this could be for a woman out alone all by herself. Right. So my excitement and energy got like sucked out of me in like two seconds. And, you know, as I, I just entertained those fearful thoughts. And I started thinking of a plan B for my day, you know, and I looked over at the side table where I had brought my book to read. And I thought up a plan to just stay in the hotel room for the day and read my book until my husband came back, you know. And then as I'm, I'm thinking about another alternative plan, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, wherever you place your foot, you bring the kingdom of God. Oh, that's good. And at that moment, I saw a vision of my foot. And I was like taking a step. And rings went out, you know, going out from my foot as I touched the ground. Like, you know, the rings in the water when you drop a rock into it, you know, the the rings that go out and I saw those rings going out from my foot and at that moment God was showing me that I don't need to be afraid you know to go and have my fun adventure he reminded me that he was with me wherever I went and he was my protection so you know I grabbed my camera bag I was like yeah you know (laughs) let's go (laughs) let's go I grabbed my camera bag I was out the door and I had a great day you know I even spent I went across the the street which takes you about 30 minutes just to get across the street yeah and I went over um I forget the name of the hotel anyway but it was the one that's like Italy yeah can't remember the name name. somebody will remember it (laughs) <laughs> anyway, and so I, I was I was walking down this hallway, I was taking pictures, and uh, one of the workers, he, you know, is dressed as like a, an Italian singer or whatever, and yeah. he's playing his accordion, he kind of saunters over to me, he's like, where are you from? And I'm like, I'm from Texas. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I knew it. <laughs> I don't know why he knew it, but anyway, we just began talking and stuff, and we spent like 45 minutes, almost an hour just talking and and it it led into conversation about the lord found out he was a believer you know and here i was thinking i'm going into sin city and here's there's believers everywhere you know and uh and it was it was places in there yeah and it was just so cool how i realized and i felt it the confidence and the protection of god all over me all throughout that day that's good. I bet you got some great pictures that day. I did. I did. <laughs> it's, it's kind of reminding me of like the an embassy. 
in another country. Yeah. And if you're an ambassador. Yes. For Christ, wherever you go, you, yeah. you're safe. Right. I'm protected. That's good. I have the protection of the king. And yes. the rings. Yes. The, feet. Yeah. the rings right. go out. Right. Wow. It's pretty cool. Well, you know, I think we can all agree that fear exploded all around the world a few years ago. We were already dealing with fear in our personal lives with many things. But, you know, as a Christian, I've overcome a lot of fears in my lifetime. But when COVID-19 hit, yeah, I was confused. Mm-hmm. Most of mm-hmm. us were. Mm-hmm. And I was guilty in the beginning of believing all that we were told. Fear set in for quite a few months. But because I have a relationship with God, it just didn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. You know, we've mm-hmm. talked about that. Right. So I began asking the Lord about it. And the one thing I kept hearing is, fear doesn't come from me. Right. This is not for me. He was reminding of his truth. Yes. So I knew that there was more to it. And I've talked about this again. So if you've listened to our other episodes, you'll know that this is right around the time I began my deep dive into what is really going on with our government. And I discovered many things that just blew me away. And it helped me understand why there's so much fear. It goes back to what we said in the last episode. Satan is the author of fear, and fear controls us. So we are up against the enemy of our soul who uses fear to control and destroy. Mm. The more we are aware of where fear comes from and how to destroy it, the closer we are to living a life without fear, which brings in freedom. Where there is freedom, there is joy, peace, and love. And it's what our Father, our Creator, wants for us. He never meant for us to live this way, so we must stand and fight against the enemy who wants to destroy freedom and ultimately destroy each of us. Right. I uh, choose freedom. What about y'all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Amen. Every time. <laughs> All right. And before we close today, I, w- I want to read an excerpt of a prophetic word that Donna Rigney received from the Lord just recently. And you can find this full word at ElijahList.com. Just type in her name and it will pull it up. It's an encouraging word on what it's going to take place in the coming months. And God's going to address all of our fears, and He will replace it with freedom. It's exciting. So Donna writes on September the 9th, 2022, While sitting alone in prayer, I heard Father say very clearly, As a result of my children's prayers, declarations, and worship, champions are arising throughout the world to lead the sheep who are quiet, quietly being led to the slaughter. They will be leading them in, the, in a righteous revolution, and the masses will no longer believe the lies of the corrupt. Looking into the spirit, I saw myself walking beside the Lord on the top of a high mountain. In the distance, I saw bombs exploding in the air. A war was being fought. And Jesus explained that this was was the time he spoke about when he was on the earth, that there would be wars and rumors of wars, but it wouldn't be the time of the end. And he explained, because men have free will, they have put wicked people in, in positions of leadership and are now suffering as a result of their poor choices. Well, we're there right now, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And the Lord continues, this will change. No longer will people, through deception or laziness, let the wicked rule. Determination will fill them to put honorable people in office, and they will make sure elections are honest. Yes, I am raising up those who will champion the cause of righteousness in all sectors of society. They will take back the seven mountains of influence that the enemy has been ruling over. Yes, these champions have been made ready by my spirit. Many have been hidden on the backside of the desert, and they will be released in this hour to lead the charge to restore righteousness to this world. Sick of the rule of the wicked and tired of the oppression that evil rulership evil rulership has brought on their lives, people will eagerly follow these champions, some sacrificing all to do that. This is a good hour you're about to enter into. Though it will be very disruptive, it will bring forth that change that we told you is coming fast upon the world. 
if you've been listening to the prophets, you all know that the Lord keeps saying he's going to deliver us from this, right? from the evil. And it's coming fast. It's coming quickly. So let me continue here. Yes, there are many champions of righteousness and truth that are already hard at work, and their reward will be great. And their efforts will produce more than they imagined they would because my spirit has been working in concert with them. Mm. So God is coming to deliver us from this evil. And there's no reason to fear because God has it all under control. Right. Beyond that, we can't let the enemy bully us with fear in our individual lives. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, at the beginning of this episode, we mentioned that we, we want you to learn how to overcome your fears and walk in the freedom that God has designed for you. And in my prayer time with the Lord, I asked him what he wants us to do about all of our fears. And this was his response. He said, fear is the opposite of faith. Fear brings death and faith brings life. So what do you fear? Make a list. Write it all down on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. Speak and apply words of faith over every item on that list. Bring that list to me in your prayer time. And I will remove every one of those fears. I will guide you and I will show you. And together we will declare victory and you will walk in freedom. So I encourage you to make a list. I, you know, look up the scriptures on fear and faith and speak those words over that list. Then take it to God. Just sit with him and read the list, read it one by one, and quote the scriptures to him. Father, your word says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, or you know, or any other scripture that you find. And God will take care of the rest. Y'all want to add anything else to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, I was um, when I was struggling with fear, and I wanted to get some help or assistance in uh, being free from the spirit of fear or any other you know, thing that has caused bondage in your life. You know, Susan and I have both been through uh, the same book together. It's called The Steps to Freedom in Christ by Neil T. Anderson. And um, there's there's some other teachings by Peggy Joyce Ruth. You know, she has a great uh, teaching podcast called, you know, Putting Psalm 91 to Work. Yeah. But right. yeah. Yeah. She also has a book called Torment or Tormented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she she actually suffered eight years with emotional illness. Wow. And she has a fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And she actually had electrical shock treatments, prescription drugs, and she experienced hopelessness and all culminated in absolute victory made possible only by God's supernatural delivering power. Wow. A fear. Yeah. Yeah. Eight years. That's yeah. awesome. And awesome uh, that he did that for her. Yeah. And the book you mentioned by Neil mm-hmm. T. Anderson, The Steps to Freedom. It's really it's a booklet. It's yeah. not thick or anything, but right. it, it provides a list of questions regarding deliverance or like anything you may have opened the door for the enemy to come in and cause problems in your life that you might not even be aware of. Yeah. I mean something I, like I read like it. reading your horoscope every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ouija boards. Ouija yeah. boards. Anything witchcraft. that had to do with witchcraft or believing in superstition. Yeah. You know, so it go. It has a list of things, and it walks you so nicely through it. Mm-hmm. Doing uh, those things puts you into an agreement with the enemy, right? And you have to come right. out of agreement with those exactly. things that you've done in your past, because the enemy goes to the courts of heaven, and he and he holds that over you. Mm-hmm. He holds that holds you in bondage to that. Well, she did this way back when. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have to get we have to get rid of all that, mm-hmm. yes. so that it will allow the freedom to come in. You remember the scripture? It says, you know, anger is a it is an open door for the enemy, right? Right. And so again, it's just coming into agreement with something, 
uh, st- like staying in a mode of anger, right. just gives the enemy an opportunity to come in and mess with your life. Yeah, all he so, needs is a little bit of fuel, right, to light that fire. So, yeah, that. so that's why with this the, the booklet, uh, it helps to just kind of make a list of things, go through. Have you had any things, any dealings with this? Anything, right. you know, with any dealings with this? So it's just a good personal checklist of going through. It's not everything, but it's it's. Pretty thorough list. Well, it yeah, makes it you is. think pretty deeply about yeah. the things that you've done in your past. You may right. think it's innocent, and, and you can but also, it, it, it may not be. Yeah, and, and I think there's a part of there that says you can also go to the Lord and have Him reveal things that you don't remember. Exactly. You know, right. this, this stopping you. It covers a lot. Right. Yeah, it really does. And it just it frees you from any illegal or you know legal because b- basically Satan knows the law of God. Right. We may not, but he does. And yeah. so he knows that when you've made an agreement with something, then he has a legal right to attack you. Yeah. So this helps you to go through those things and renounce them in the name of Jesus by his blood mm-hmm. and be free of those things. Right. So then there's no illegal attacks on your life. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? So this is a really good book. You can find it on uh, Amazon. You could just order it. Just look it up and you'll find it. It's very inexpensive. Yeah. A real thin, easy read right it's just more of a you take the time to slowly go through it and the and questions that it asks it, it it provokes you to think mm-hmm. about the things that you've done in the past and it goes back to what what the word that god gave me is is make the list right think about it yeah make the list mm-hmm. speak my word over it right. bring it to me right and, yes and and there's prayers in there too yeah so mm-hmm. you it, he has it all written for you he'll lead you through the prayer right and yeah. even prayer to protect your home, there's right. prayers in there to say out loud in your yeah. in your home. Yeah, um, to, that's good. Yeah. That's really important too. And then yeah. you have a list that you're. Yeah, really there's also in. we also have a list um, that we actually got through our Bible study, which is. Thank you, Lorna. They're now called Fear Knots, <laughs> and there's yeah. like twenty very short scriptural verses that that they, you can read and yeah. then have the scripture to counteract that or, exactly yeah. counteract fear mm-hmm. and, right. and the enemy right so we were talking about that earlier if you make your list of your fears and you, you go and you look up the word and, and, and you know because there's a scripture for everything in your life yeah. mm-hmm. and this list could help you you know give you some of those verses if you need them it yeah. equips you yes right. exactly right yeah and you can email us if you want the list just mm-hmm. email us at puretruthpodcast3 the number 3 mm-hmm. at gmail.com and we'll send it to you right Okay. Yes. And if you have a fear of, of anything or multiple things, then we encourage you to take these steps that will destroy each one of those fears and allow you to be completely free. God says we must fear that we must not fear. You know, that's the message we've been trying to say for the last two episodes. Do not fear. That's what his, his message is to us. We simply must put our faith and our trust in him who fights for us. All we have to do is ask him and he'll help us. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. That was, this was good. Yeah. It was good. It's time to close. Um, in our next episode, we'll be talking about discernment. Yeah. And we just want to close with this scripture. It's from Isaiah 41.10. It says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you surely. I will help you surely. I will hold uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's right. So today's episode was edited by Caitlin Beck. We appreciate it, Caitlin. Thank you so much. And we want to reference, again, ElijahList.com. And you could find Donna Rigney on there. She's an amazing prophet. And the title of the word I referenced is, I will quickly turn the tide on the wicked. Mm. And we also want to reference uh, Richard Rohr's book, Immortal. It's Immortal Diamond, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Good. 
Yes. And before you go, we invite you to please leave a written review anywhere you listen to this podcast. The more positive reviews we receive will lead to more listeners that God can reach. Also, please subscribe. We would appreciate it very much. Yep. And we just want to thank you for listening and allowing us to pour pure truth into you today. And we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and you can email us at puretruthpodcast3, number three, at gmail.com. All right, here we go. Please visit our websites, kathyzaka.com, laurapotter.us, and susanoffin.com. And we hope you'll join us next time. And remember, live thirsty. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you and give you his peace. All right, until next time. Susan, Laura, and Kathy. DC, I host the rock podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interviews. Electric Acid. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast.